Folks, you know we always have the heavy hitters on No Fix or Dark podcast. And this guy, I've been trying to work get this episode probably over two years. He's one of the hardest working brothers I've known. Um, he's doing so many great things. You know, you might see him on a Tamara Hall show. You might see him winning awards for podcasting. You, he's a producer. He's a writer. So many credits. You know, he got the IMD, IDBM for movies and whatnot, credits and whatnot. But I really wanted to have him on the show because he is doing so many great things and so excited to have him on. And what better person to have for a Black History Month than Mr. D. Watkins? We made a pledge to do what's best for the health of our communities, and we continue to deliver on it every day for every one of our members. With access to a network of over 1 million providers, rewards for living healthy, and more care options than ever, we are Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield, and we are changing healthcare for all that we serve. At Care First, it's not just our name, it's our promise. Welcome to the No Picks of Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I told you, we got nothing but the heavy hitters. Black History Month, we're going to go straight up and make sure we have everybody who's doing the walk, walk, and talk the talk. Mr. D. Watkins, what's up, brother? How you feeling? What's up, man? Black History Month, I'm not even dead, man. <laughs> but hey, we here, though. Because I'm old. Black History Month, because I'm old. <laughs> nah, nah. But we making history. We making history. Absolutely. That, that, and Absolutely. that's why I really want the people. It's my strongest month for listeners. People really enjoy learning and get educated. So I always try to put the people who are making impact on it. So thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm loving the space, loving the artwork, loving the dirt fight, man. You you, you repping Northeast, which is which is fire. Like it's, it's what's up. Man. I have to, man. I have to. So I got a lot of viewers from out, out from, from not from Baltimore. Give people a little bit quick background about who you are. Did you grow up in Baltimore? Where you grew up in Baltimore and whatnot. I, I grew up in East Baltimore, man. Shake regular kid, man. Um, a lot of energy, very curious. Um, curious enough that I, I kind of got in, you know, and I used to get in trouble a lot because I asked too many questions. But um, you know, I was I was lucky enough to, to to figure out a way to turn that curiosity into a, a career um, as an artist. Um, my strongest, the strongest thing about me and all my work, regardless of whatever medium I'm, I'm working in, is that I'm just trying to figure something out. <laughs> I love that. I but love yeah, I'm, that. I went to Dunbar High School, man. I'm from East Dunbar. Baltimore, man. Like, I'm a proud Baltimorean. Okay. When you were, like, growing up, were you, like, into books? Were you a reader? Were you a writer? Was there somebody in the family who did something like that? Nah. Um... Which is, um, my story is a little, it's not as traditional as like a lot of other writers. Like, I would like to think that if books were, were put in front of me when I was a young person, then I would have happily chose this as my career path. But I didn't grow up with books in my crib. It's crazy because um, I had read a study um, some years ago that said um, people who grow up with books in their home tend to do better than people who don't, even if no one reads them. And then I also read that the more words you know, the further you actually go in life. Mm. And um, I, I didn't know these things when, when I was coming up. When I was coming up, I was just infatuated with my neighborhood. Um, Air Jordans and, and, and dirt bikes and, and people who, you know, played basketball at Dunbar. And, um, you know, like uh, uh, 
Acura Legends, Acura Vigas, <laughs> you know, the Land Rover, the, uh, the uh, Land Cruisers and all that. Like, you know, uh, people ain't had no Range Rover buddy back there, but they, you know, they had the, the Lexus Land. So I was just infatuated with that kind of stuff and just always into the culture of um, what was happening in my neighborhood. And I didn't know, and I'm actually still, still being surprised to this day, how big the culture we created in neighborhoods, neighborhoods like, like 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 down the hill and and, and like um up the hill and, and northeast or whatever Somerset housing projects Douglas housing projects all these different places the culture we created in these streets how we wear clothes how we wear sneakers how we match matching designer labels with with new like this this is like it's it's global they watch us globally and then <laughs> like you know they was it's a New York Times article right now talking about um. The, the the Travis Kelsey haircut. I'm like, it's a white man with a fade, dog. Like, yo, they, you, they, yo said they, they said he invented it. That's what I'm saying. So, but <laughs> but this is like, yo, any and every part of culture, especially black culture, developed in inner cities, is like being picked apart by um, mainstream. Um, they 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 find it. They like it. They Christopher Columbus that shit, and then it's theirs. So, um, but nah, man, I didn't grow up wanting to be a writer. I didn't. Um, I didn't even think about um, writing as a profession until um, I, I was in a hospital and um, I was having a procedure done and the nurse had gave me a book and um, she gave me a book, man. She gave me this book called The Coldest Winter Ever and I was, I was, I was like pushing 30 because I read that book in like a couple of days, which was quick for me because I wasn't a reader at the time and I wanted more. Um, you know, it's funny when I tell the story because I wanted for a phone number. And she's like, nah, I don't date thugs. And I'm like, I'm not a thug. And she was like, well, why do you smell like weed? And everybody who visits you smell like weed. And I'm like, baby, we got cataract. You know, she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't really feeling me, you know. But she gave me that book, man. And I read that book, The Coldest Winter Ever. Then I've read everything Sister Soldier ever wrote. And then I read everybody who, like, her biggest influences. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm reading. I know why Cage Bird sings. And I'm reading the bell hooks and I'm reading the Tony Morrison's and the James Baldwin's and then I'm finding out about the beat port. So I'm reading like on the road and neck and lunch. And then I'm finding out about, you know, they was, you know, one their biggest influences guys like Fedor Dostoevsky. So I'm literally sitting in the projects reading Russian literature. Like, mm. like the snowball effect for me is I, I didn't know that I love reading. I just, the right material and work was just never placed in front of me. And when it, when it was placed in front of me, just like a snowball effect. Were you, so were you, did you ever, were you ever like a freestylist in high school? Like, like if somebody gave you a beat, could you like freestyle off the beat? Like, were you like, nah, just, I, I always wonder because I had a home, I had a home girl that was a white girl who was a writer, was the illest freestylist because she knew the wordplay. Like, I'm curious, like that, like, like growing up, like, were you ever like, could you memorize a song quickly and then freestyle off the beat? Were you ever like one of those kids so, growing up? Nah, I wasn't, I wasn't, um... I wasn't into it as much. Um, I think I would have been into it um, if we if I was coming up now. Okay. But back, back when I was coming up, um, you know, you had uh, not too many not too many rappers coming out of Baltimore. Like, okay. I I remember I'm old enough to remember the only two Baltimore rappers I ever do or even heard of was was Scar Akbar and uh. <laughs> And and boss man, they Red was like the, they was the only rappers 
And when he was doing Northeast Kings, they was the only rappers that I knew from the city. And it's like, um, and I thought like, yo, these dudes are like brave. Like they really trying to crack that industry that seemed so impossible and so far away from where I was at at that particular time in my life. Um, we used to look up the street guys and that's why most of us ended up being street guys. So where I come from, um, the street guys were more popular than the NBA players and the rappers. It mm. was, you know, you want to be a gangster. Like that's that's the that's the most solid person that's around. That's mm. that's the person who you see every day. That's the person who's there. That's the person who start the trends. That's the person who run the neighborhood, and that's what's accessible. And there's a direct path into being this guy or this woman. There's a direct path right there, and they there to mentor you every day. So you're not really interacting with um. You know, and I would come across, and you know, in my my little time in the street, I would come across, I would come across like um like people who was in the industry, like, and I'm not even talking about Baltimore rappers, I'm talking about like New York rappers, who was in the industry, and we would be like in Atlanta or something like that, and we'd be at a dice game, and the street guys would be at the dice game betting like ten thousand, you know, and the rappers would be in there like, yo, let me hold five hundred so I can get in the game. So all of this stuff is circling my wow. mind, like, yo, like. You know, and it now is different because the streaming and rappers are independent or they're like, you know, structuring their deals. They got the social media going on, so they're branding and they're doing these different things. But back back when I was coming up, it wasn't I don't know if 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 um if 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 if, if I if I saw what it what it, you know, ended up with our culture uh uh transformed, evolved into then I probably would have tried to been been rapping. But you know, dudes like Scar and Boss Man, they was ahead of their time, man. They was ahead of their time. So it so sounds like from just listening, just like just the book from the book side of things, a nurse changed the whole changed the whole tra- trajectory of yourself of where you are right now. Absolutely, man. I I feel like if I can ever find her, man, I would like give her some money or something. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean that's that's I mean that's really like you know that's a big thing because that's like a huge turning point for for you. And then you're reading literature from all sorts of life everywhere and whatnot and. You picked up the pen. Like, how did that feel? Like, picking up the pen and like, really put a pen to paper. Like, when you first wrote something and somebody was like, "Damn, this is some good ass work." Like, when did you feel that? I, I think the storytelling part has okay. always been in me. Okay. I like to listen to stories. I like to tell stories, but I like to listen to them as well. And um, I remember like just sitting outside as a little kid, just falling asleep on my block, knowing I should be in bed, but mm-hmm. I was just too scared I was going to miss something. He's these dudes were master storytellers. Like they can make a trip from here to Northeast Market sound like the most spectacular shit in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like going to uh, the moon in Disneyland or some shit and like back. So, um, so, um, so it didn't take me long once I started putting pen to paper because I already knew how to. I knew how to structure a story. I knew the surprise element. I knew how to plant little seeds in the beginning and then reveal them later on. I knew about plot. Like I just knew about plot. Like I knew how to. Yo, let me. Yo, let man. Let me tell you what happened last night. Like I knew how to set up and I knew how to end. Um. So I kind of those things were already in me. But I'm um, learning how to write is something that um that um. I don't even think I really, really, really learned how to write until like my fifth book. Okay, <laughs> like by wow. the time I got to like book, really? maybe book number four, book number four and five is when I really learned how to write. Okay. Like, and I'm talking about like I'm craft, like pure craft. Like, yeah, I can wow. finish a project. Yeah, I can, you know, I can, I can crank out a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand words, whatever. And like, 
a month and shit like that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you can actually write. So mm. I, I don't think really like I, I, I learned how to write into like book, like book four and five. Interesting. Interesting. Because I always give mad props to people who can write in literature because that's not my strong suit. I can do it. But I always find when I read some books, I'm like, wow, this is really good. It takes me. And I like how you talk about the storytelling. That's how I got into podcasting because I had uncles who could tell you some crazy ass story and you'd be like, damn, I want to believe this, but I know he's lying. But, but you want to hear it anyway. Yeah, you want to keep I want to keep lying. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want. Like it's, that's, and that's why I learned just hearing my uncles talk these stories. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like literally stories where you're like, what is he talking about? But keep on like, and, but, and then they would come around my friends. My friends would be like, who are your uncles? Like bring them around more often. We need them. And I need, and that's where I learned my storytelling. So it's kind of fascinating from the older people, the brothers you learn from like just telling the stories and whatnot. And you've carried that over to what you do now, but storytelling and which is, which has been amazing. Um, so your first breakout when people were like, we, you were like, uh Oh, people like my stuff. What was the first, when was that first time when it was like, uh Oh, like wasn't like you were like something's going on. I wrote this essay called Too Poor for Pop Culture, and it was about how technology is class-based. Mm. So the essays are right in like, it's taking place in like 2014, around the time when um, Obama had took the selfie at Nelson Mandela's funeral. Oh, yeah. And I was over uh, Latrobe playing cards, and people was in the crib talking about this story like it was new but the story was like maybe a month two months old and at the moment we playing cards and they steady talking about the story like it just happened mm. but it didn't just happen it just made it to them because technology is class-based so mm. they didn't have smartphones they didn't have like they had like the flip joints and like the joints you get like yeah. the government like they didn't have iPhones and all that you know what I'm saying so they didn't really get the story as how we get something on Twitter, that 24 hour news cycle. Mm -hmm. That's a privilege. That's a privilege. And that was, mm. a, that was like a game they really, they couldn't play. So, um, so, um, I wrote that story and, um, it went viral. And then the moment you was, me and you kind of talked about briefly before we started is it happened to me really quickly is everybody wanted me to come to every function. Everybody wanted me to come to everything. Everybody wanted me to speak on this and speak on that. They have all these opinions. People was critiquing my work, um, my body of work and talking about what I need to do or stop doing or don't need to do. And I only had two essays published. I'm like, damn dog. Like I only got two essays out. How are you writing these articles on me or telling me this stuff about myself? Mm -hmm. And I only published two essays. Mm, <laughs> like mm. you know so I, I, I and I think what it was is is I, I came in with a voice that is common now but it, it really wasn't there when I started as far as like in the publishing world obviously so many people had stories similar to mine you come from the streets you got some parents that was in the streets whatever whatever but people wasn't writing about it in Baltimore and about Baltimore in like an artistic way mm. like um um, uh, the people who came before me that was really doing their thing and they, you know, they still like, they some of the biggest writers out there. It's like, like Wes Moore is before me and Wes Moore's story, um, is a beautiful story. And, but his story, it kind of aligns, it aligns with, um, 
his 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 pursuit of 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 of, of greatness after he got in trouble, and then he went to the military school, and mm-hmm. you know he figured out how to build a life for himself, and then he did it parallel to the other Westmore, and I kind of grew up like the other Westmore, but mm. not really because you know I'm not you know I. I'm, I grew up like the other, I grew up more like the other Westmore, gotcha, you know, gotcha. but I just had a different philosophy on what I was going to do in the world. And then, um, um, a, a, a guy like Tana Hasi Coates, who he, he found out he had these talents way before I got into this game. At, I was turning 30. So, you know, he's been a writer since he was in his early twenties, maybe even high school. So it's right. like, he found that passion early on and he rode that wave, um, to his success. So, um, and they would be like the closest things. Right. There was nobody else in the city. You had like can't people. Anybody, the yeah. people with the city paper was like, um, they had some some people who told some some good stories. Like Baynard Woods was always one of my favorite writers Baynard, from down there. Yeah. But it was mostly like people that um, thought they loved black culture, even though they wasn't from the culture. And if they're reporting from the street, or if they're reporting about the street, they going to like the crown or some shit. Like they not they not going with they not going that yo man this yo facts. man this guy who's a little younger than me named Lawrence Bernie. We was like like I was the first person to write about young moose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, artists, like yeah. you know they you know Lawrence was the first one to, to write about Scooter. We are putting these people in like local newspapers and magazines. These are the biggest rappers in the city, but because they're not on the radar, the Baltimore Sun, or they wasn't on the radar of like the alternative paper, the alternative paper was kind of only covering like white shit or like black shit that was white adjacent. Mm. So they wasn't even down with this. So it's like it was so the demand for for the voice was so hungry locally that like, you know, David Simon reached out to me after I wrote one essay. Mm. One essay, he was like, hey, I know that voice. I know those stories. I like this. If you ever want to do TV, call me. Mm. And that was like some shit that came years later. But this is like, and I'm, I'm thinking it's a joke because his essay don't say David Simon. I mean, his, his email, it doesn't say David Simon. They say like some, some other shit. <laughs> so like a, like a, you know, like a name where you right. don't, you it's don't alias. know it's him. It's alias, yeah. But it's like, I had that kind of pressure early on. And I think, um, I think um, it's, it's very, very easy to fold and it's very easy to get scared um, and not be able to freely create when you have this many eyes on you, especially coming out of city where, you know, again, there was no one that was telling, there was, there was no one that was telling the stories from the inside yelling out. Everybody was on the outside critiquing, but it was nobody that's like, you come find me. You're not going to find, you're not finding me. You might, you're not. And this is like, I'm talking about when I first started out, you finding me down Bocek somewhere. You finding me on Ashland Avenue somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're not finding me. You ain't gonna find me inside no. Um, you understand, um, little like the little flashy spots and all that. Like you're not, you're not gonna right. find me there at this particular time. So, th- th- it was a hunger for that. And then this is also happening at the same time where all of these unarmed black killings started going viral. Mm. So now people they want to hear from they want to hear from. Um, the people who come from these situations. You're, you're the expert now. Yeah. And, then, expert, and you know, yeah. and then they said they shocked because they're like, well, we want to hear your side. And I'm like, all right, but you know, like wait or leave me the fuck alone. Or I don't feel like, like I, I'm too busy being oppressed to enlighten you motherfuckers. Leave me alone. <laughs> and it's fucking their head up. So they're like, oh my God, I want more. And it becomes, and then it's, it's like snowballs and spirals to that, to that type of thing. Wow. That, that, that's, that's a weird ass time. That's, that's, a, that's a weird time. That's, that's a definitely a weird, weird time. time. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. We're going to talk about 
how you transitioned to where you are now. And is it still weird? Is it still, we talked off camera, but is it still weird? How do you handle this type of uh, pressure now? You day to day out business. Talk about the books that you've written. Um, and also like the shows that you produce. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Just behind the scenes, take people a little peek behind the curtain a little bit. Cool. All right, folks, we'll be right back with some messages. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student with in-school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. Are you or someone you love in need of mental health support? For All Seasons is now offering same-day therapy appointments with no wait list. Through the For All Seasons open access program, you can walk in for mental health services and begin therapy in the same visit. For All Seasons accepts all insurances and provides financial assistance if you need it. For therapy, psychiatry, or victim support, we have appointments available today. Call For All Seasons, 410-822-1018. And folks, we are back with Mr. D. Watkins. Thank you so much for coming in the podcast, hanging out with me today, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, good, man. I'm happy to happy to be here, man. Really appreciate you, you know, opening it up and talking. So let's 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 start off the top. We talked a little bit about off camera the fellowship. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you just won. Go ahead, tell. You go uh, ahead. I'm I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate to be the third Gordon Parks Writing Fellow, and it's a it's a big deal for me because um like I I've won some awards in the past and I'm thankful for all of them. Um, small places to the places that are like statewide and countrywide and things like that. But this one's special to me because number one, um, well, one of my best friends and my biggest inspirations, Devin Allen, was actually the original Gordon Parks Fellow. Mm-hmm. Um. Before Devin was a Gordon Parks fellow, um, I gifted I gifted Devin um, a Gordon Parks half past autumn um, mm. book from his expedition, like in the from the first run, which is like a uh, book's worth a lot of bread. But I gave it to him because I'm like I was like, yo, you the next Gordon, mm. and he was down with Gordon, and he was thankful. But this is at the time, like again, early in my career, I'm watching Half Past Autumn, like which is a um, it's a um, a documentary about the life of Gordon Parks. I'm watching Half Past Autumn like at least once a week. So like, um, I, I I really 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 admire how he started his career late like me. How he works in different mediums like me. How he just doesn't really care about the outside noise. He just creates. And I'm like, yo, I want to be like that one day. So when my homeboy ended up being the first fellow, I'm like, yo, that's lit. So um, as the foundation grew. Um, um, Devin, he goes to this, he goes to the gala every year. And, um, I got a chance to go with him to the gala where, um, he won something called the Stidal Book Prize, which is, um, Stidal's like a really, 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 um, prestigious art bookmaker in Germany, right? This is like, and they don't work with anybody. Mm. So his images are that serious that they was like, yo, we want to, we want to do a book with Devin Allen. So, um, we, I was having lunch. I was having lunch with Devin and his editor for the book was in town. Um, so, you know, we all got together and we talked about it a little bit and she was like, Hey, you wrote in Devin's other two books. And I was like, yeah, she was like, um, would you be up for writing in this one? 
And I was like, that's like my, that's like my brother, like whatever. If he wanted, you know, it's all good. I'm not thinking nothing of it, bro. But I, but, but when they told me, this is how I am. Like, and this is, I guess, this is like the rap shit you get from me. When you tell me that other writers are in a book, I'm trying to cut heads off. Like right. my shit is like, oh, right. well, you, you know, and right. I, but with love though, because everybody in all the Devin books are all writers that are like they the shit in their own way. Mm -hmm. So he's writing this book. Um, he's doing a title book. With our good brother out in LA, he from Jersey, but he out in LA. Donnell Moore, Donnell Moore is like a is a, a real talented, super respected dude, right? He's really, really good. So I'm like, yo, I can't be fucking around because Donnell Moore is in the book. You got to come correct. So I got to come correct. <laughs> so I wrote my shit, and Donnell did his thing, and you know, but Donnell hit me up and was like, yo, your shit is crazy, like, and I'm like, I ain't even see your shit. Yeah, how you? <laughs> so. Then I get a phone call from the editor and they was like, yo, this came to my mind, you know, after I read your essay, you know, we st I started looking at your other work and I'm like, you're shortlisted to be a fellow. And I said, man, stop it. And she's like, you're shortlisted to be a fellow. There's a couple of things you need. Pitch a project, send, get some recommendations and, um, and um, send over your CV and cross your fingers. Done. So I'm just like, you know, so recommendations, dog. I'm like, I'm digging in my bag. So like Amy Sherrill, who painted the Michelle yeah. Obama joint, I got Amy. Derek Adams was like one of the biggest artists. Mm -hmm. um, he's out of here. I got I got Derek. I got obviously Devin. And um, I um I came up I came up with a meet with like four or five different pitches. Presented the best one, and um, and then. My wife had redid my CV, mm -hmm. and even though it by CV, we looking at it like, damn, because I, I ain't like over the past, over the past uh, ten years, I published like eight hundred articles mm. right, on top of the books, on top of the books I wrote for, on top of the ghostwriting shit, on top of the essays and like special collections and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, I've written a lot, mm -hmm. and um. They gave me that phone call and they was like, yo, the board voted for you unanimously. Mm. And like, you know, I, I get honored. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is going to do a Richard Roundtree um, mm. honor. And then I get honored next to um, Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats. It's going mm. like to be like a special night. They're going to unveil Devin's book. Um, Devin's going to introduce me. And this is like a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful gala. It's a beautiful event. Best of the best artists come out, and it's like from like hip hop, like Black Thoughts always there, to like, um, you know, obviously like people like Swiss Beats and stuff like that. But then like the Spike Lees and all the people are always there. Um, the top writers are always there. Um, people like Leonardo DiCaprio and them type people who like really, really appreciates Gordon's work. They appreciate Gordon's work. They're always there. And my homeboy from West Baltimore is like at the top of that shit. It like he just and you can see him walking up and down the street with his camera putting work in. Right. And, I, and I'm just I'm honored because of his mentality and his grind. But then I'm also honored because we both used our talent to put so many people on in this city. And I know everybody's self-made and nobody talks about how they got there and everybody got it out in the mud and did it on their own and everybody's, <laughs> they, their parents didn't even fuck. They just fucking <laughs> it emerged from the gods. <laughs> everybody's self-made and shit. But we really, 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 we really, really, really like 
put each other on, put our friends on, put other people on, started people's careers, and it's getting recognized at like this big, big, big national level. And I'm just super thankful for that. And you know, I love what you talked about was that part that you said, you know, I this is my guy. I want to invest in my guy. Let me get this book for him. Let me have him so you look at that. You know, just really investing in friendship. And that, and, that, and that sense of community. And I love hearing that. Because it's like, yo, I believe in you, brother. Like, let's go. You you, you got you got magic behind that camera. And I love hearing that. Because, like, how many people do that for other people? And really believe in your friends and stuff like that. And I, just, I love hearing that sense of family and community. That, that touch warms my heart hearing that. Because that, that's, that's what it's all about to me. Absolutely. Because really, I always tell people, you know, they're like, you know, how do you do it? Come and sit here and watch. Take time out your day. You want to come to this meeting? Come here. I, I don't have nothing to hide. I want to share because guess what? Somebody else can come behind me and I want to make it easy for them to get to what they got to get. Got to. And that's to, that's how I look at it. How do you leave your legacy? How do you, what have you done for what you're leaving behind? So I love that. You're that's how that. you set up a situation where it's like, yo, we're going to build this studio. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you got a million. I got a million. Let's get together. Let's make something shape. Let's create these scholarships for these kids. Let's give these kids these opportunities to come in and learn how to run their own podcast or be their own producers or their own cameramen. Like, let's get to it. Like, let's have a community. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to speak on people who don't think like that. I'm just going to say that I'll, I'll keep being an example and try my best to build community to the best of my ability. And that, and exactly what I'm doing now. It's funny behind the scenes right now. Like, I'm doing, I'm going and teaching podcast classes. Like helping Fine. out, just drop it in at Towson. Just drop it in, and we're working on some things behind the scenes. We're just trying to figure out we up. can do something further. Because again, a lot of people are like, it's a, new, it's a new thing, and people are doing it. And more and more, I mean, you see Joe Rogan just up, re up for like another two hundred fifty million. Yeah, so the money is there. Don't let anybody tell you the money ain't there. It's there. You know what I mean? So that's why I tell people. It's crazy. He had all the money inside his neck. <laughs> neck big as shit. <laughs> he doesn't got a big ass neck. Joe Rogan about it. Yeah, he does. He definitely does. He got 250 in that money. He got the 250 in there. <laughs> he is a lot. Yeah, he's a lot of money right now. So out of all your books, which one is one of your favorite ones that you've written? Probably Black Boy Smile because I, I talk about... Um, I talk about my wife and I talk about my daughter and I talk about um, how so many different things had to happen and go right or go wrong for us to be in the position to be in the same space at the same time to even be able to consider um, a reality with, with each other. And I trace, I trace that journey through the lens of masculinity. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a fun book to write. Um, and it was a smart, it was, a, it was, it was difficult because Instead of me um, making it linear, I chose to tell the whole book in moments. Mm -hmm. So it's a collection of moments, and um, they led up to this big moment. And, um, you know, so creatively, that's like one of my favorite. I think the B-side is going to be one of my favorite because it was like, it was that first book. And um, it was that first book. And um, it's your baby. I was grinding, I was working, I wasn't paying attention. And um, the uh, PR guy was like, I'm not going to be a bestseller. But, you know, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to have a good career and I'm going to like, you know, be able to sell another book. And as he's saying that, you know, we get in the car from the New York Times, people were like, yo, he's a bestseller. So <laughs> you're like, you, you, I don't need you anymore, bro. Oh, I don't know. Are you maybe still the same PR nah, person? No, I mean, he, he's a, he was a PR person that worked for the imprint. So he oh. wasn't my PR oh, guy. Okay. Was like, he just worked for the imprint. And I'm just like, like um, 
I mean, I don't I don't need like a lot of praise and all that, but I also don't need like a defeatist energy. You right. know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, wrong you don't gotta kiss my ass and tell me I'm great, but also don't like don't don't put don't restrict me like right. you know, let me rock out, you know. That's the wrong type of energy that nobody wants. Nobody wants to hear that. So that's you know, but the, I mean all of them are special in their in their own way. Uh, we speak for ourselves, there's no profanity. Um, cook up um, talks about everything that the reality of, of selling drugs. You hear about the cars and the jewelry, but you know, giving giving your friend's mom some something so she don't got a prostitute is like, you know, a, a, a double fucking nightmare. Even where you lose, so it's like the hells. We hear about the heavens, but it talks about the hell that comes with it. Um, I just wrote, um, co-wrote. Mike Africa's book. Um, I just I just submitted that like maybe like a month ago. We finally finished it, but um, in 1985, the Philadelphia Police Department, from direction of Wilson Good, the first black mayor, bombed Bomb. a residential yep. home mm-hmm. on Osage Avenue in West Philly, um, killing 12 people, 11 people, six were kids, and my my good friend Mike Africa survived that bombing and um, mm. wanted to tell his story. And I'm just thankful that he chose that he chose me to help with that. He believed in my work and my voice, and um, it's a delicate story. He chose me, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. How um, was writing that? How did you like? Were you emotional writing that? Um, knowing knowing that, I mean, I know it's like you're knowing that what happened and what took place, and he witnessed it. Like, were you or you just wrote it and like you know like could you see yourself immersing into that? Him understanding like what he, that he went through. I mean, you know, like. I'm more of a te- when it comes to ghostwriting, I'm more of a technician. Okay. I don't deal in emotion. I deal in um I deal in emotion with my own work, but with other people work is more or less their emotion. It's gotcha. their struggle and it's their battle. So when I'm when I'm writing it, I'm like, damn, this is you know, when when we're, as we as we working on it together, I'm like, yo, this is fucked up. But right. like those feelings, um, I don't even think it would be possible for me to to take on those feelings. It's kind of like you know. You build a hotel, you know, people are going to sleep in there and, and overdose in there and fucking there and take shits in there. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't, but you just, you're a technician. You're coming in to build the space so these things can happen. I felt like I built the space so he could get that stuff out. So, but we but we'll see. Um, I like collaborating. That's what that's a collaboration. The book I did with Carmelo Anthony was a, was a, was a collaboration, but then I ghost wrote, um, a book for an NBA player that's just as famous as Carmelo. Mm. But, um, um, another future Hall of Famer. Um, so we, um, we we got together and we, um, and again, like I took his feelings and his emotions and what went on with his life and I, you know, I organized them and, you know, made some, wrote some pretty sentences and, you know, kind of made a shape. I like it. I like it. When you get uh, uh, asked by these NBA people of a, celebrities may be like whatever it is how do you feel is it honored like when they reach out to you and say hey i want to want you to help ghost write this for me not i mean not i mean most mo- normally no i think carmelo was an honor because okay. um i just watched his career so closely okay. um he was just in town this weekend with the mellow classic that was at thousand okay okay yeah, it was okay. fire but I think I watched Carmelo's career so closely. I was a couple of years older than him, so when he was like, like, over down the dome and over Bocek and over Patterson Park, and he was coming through with his crew and just beating the shit out of everybody. I was one of them dudes they threw off the court. I was one of them dudes. <laughs> he was bad, man. He was tough, man. He was tough all the way through. Um, 
you know, even before he got the hype. So, um, so that was an honor because, um, you know, I, I was just, I was always just a fan. And then one of my really, really, really close friends that I grew up with has been his stylist for like the past 15 years or something, 20 years or something like that. So it's like we got a chance to reconnect like on the business side of it. You know, um, I always looked up to Bay and thought Bay was a stand up guy, mm -hmm. man, smart businessman, just one of the coolest people you can ever meet. So just to even connect with that group and those people was just like, um, you know, with Kalila and, and Bay was just like, was 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 fire and then Melo's uh, his best friend is my good friend Kenny Mana and um and we didn't even the deal didn't even come through any of this the deal literally came from his people in New York and my people in New York and he, mm. was, <laughs> and he you know he was saying he was ready to do a book and um um they had went to this guy Wesley Lowry Wesley Lowry's like a real 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 famous popular journalist he's like a big time journalist he won a Pulitzer when he was like in his 20s like coming out the gate with his reporting so he's wow. a serious guy and Wesley was taking on some ghost jobs and Wesley was like yo I think you should you know you shouldn't be fucking with me you should be fucking with D and then they and then the, uh, the, the agent was like yo I know him I know him because we was going to work together like way back <laughs> mm. and um when I, before before he got the CAA so he reached out and I was like, yo, what? I was like, yo, yeah, for sure. So um, me and Melo got together and, you know, had some drinks and talked some shit and told some old stories. And I'm like, yo, this is going to be easy. I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, this is like my brother from like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like uh, like a long lost brother, like, but, but you know, with parallel lives. So it was like an easy situation. One of the ghost jobs that was kind of, I'll tell you about it off camera, but, um, a writer, a dude who called himself a writer anyway, he had the book for two years and he didn't do shit. They brung me in wow. because they saw that the, how good the Mellow book was mm. and they brung me in and they gave me like a month to write like 65, 70,000 words. Ooh. And this guy had it for two years and they didn't do shit but like a thousand words. Wow. And I came in you and we that. had a couple Zooms. We had a couple Zooms and then I got on the phone with his mom. I got on the phone with like his pops. And then I spent some time with like his agent and shit, man, and watched a couple of interviews and I popped that shit right out. So that was like a real cool, fun job for me. Now, what about, I gotta talk about this because brother, you're doing this, producing, getting, you're his executive director on one of the TV shows on HBO. How does that feel? You know, credits for know, that. Like that's crazy to me, bro. So oh. tell me, like walk me because like your name's on it, like, like, that's yo, a whole different thing. Yo, I love, yo, just so this is going to sound like some corny shit that I'm just saying. It's, it's cool that we hear. Yo, but it's not, it's, I'm not, no bullshit. Yo, I fucking love HBO. Okay, like, okay. Like, I always, since I was a kid, Fraggle Rocks and shit. Right, like, I always Fraggle Rock, yeah. Yo, I always, fuck with, I always fuck with HBO. I love it. I always love HBO. I love, um, I loved, um, them shows, man, because there was no shows that was as character driven like, like us. Yeah, Oz was different. That was the most different yo, thing I've ever seen. And that, yo, curb your enthusiasm. Like we just, I mean, you know, that shit like twenty years old. So we just, if we just going back, back. six feet under, that was the great Sopranos, show. the corner, the wire. corner was one of my favorite yo, shows actually. Yo, I always love HBO. So um, and I always like, I always just vision myself being affiliated with that company and that network and um. And so when it ha so when it happened, um, so it was a, it's a it's a story behind the story. But 
And um, I wrote the story. I wrote the story too poor for pop culture. David reached out to me. He's mm -hmm. like, yo, you ever want to get in TV? Let me know. And I'm like, yo, I'm actually broke right now. I would love to fucking get in TV. And he right. was like, I'm not working on anything right now that um, I think would be a fit. But, you know, I filed that away. I didn't stop and wait. I didn't sit on my hands. Right, go I kept working. I kept, I told you I wrote like fucking eight, seven, eight hundred over eight hundred articles. So um, I kept working and shit. So I started writing about these cops, um, because Moose was my man. And Moose was a rapper. Moose was from the neighborhood, but Moose is also just happened to be the most famous rapper. Like when mm -hmm. my cousin Donovan got killed, Moose's mm -hmm. father and his homeboys was the first. And this is like, but when Moose was a baby, his father and his homeboys they the first one down here. Like yo, who did it? Like where they at? Mm -hmm. Like let's do this. Like we so our family's intertwined. We go back. So wow. Herschel, um, who Josh Charles played, harass was harassing my big homies. Oh wow! Then he was harassing me, and then now I'm out the streets and I'm like wearing khakis and working as like a substitute teacher and shit. Now he harassing the young boys. Of course. So he got he harassing generations of people. So That's I wrote trauma. I, so That's I, trauma right there by itself. I, I wrote about that shit. Um, everybody read it. It went crazy. It went to the it went to the um internal affairs. Internal affairs dude, internal affairs dude reached out to me with this long ass letter. And um I was like, yo, I appreciate you know this letter, but I don't really be, you know, I don't be talking to police and shit. Right. <laughs> right? Right. But the inter and then me the internal affairs dude ended up we ended up being cool because um he ended up um being in a documentary that I did with HBO. Mm -hmm. He ended up being on the documentary. So um so the internal fans got told his boss, like, yo, this guy, D. Watkins, is talking about Herschel. We need to do something about this. And it, uh, his boss is like, well, who the fuck is D. Watkins? And he was like, yo, he's a writer from Baltimore. And he's like, nobody even read that shit. He was like, yo, he's in the New York Times. And he's also a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, come on. Like, really? Like, So they ended up forcing this guy out. Of the, not because of that, but because of, like, you know, his frustration and how he always pushed them. They ended up forcing him out. Mm -hmm. So um, David read that article and was like, all right, bet. And mind you, this is still 2014. Right. I don't really hear nothing. I ended up... Um, putting a book out I put a book out in 2015 and I'm you know I got like a small book advance and I'm on tour and um but it's a little tour so I just took my advance and I was like fucking I'm gonna call some bookstores in the Bay Area because the Bay Area was already trying to get me on these different radio shows so I'm like yo I'm gonna just go do some events out in the Bay Area so I'm, I'm going out there for one event I end up standing in the Bay Area for like three weeks mm. because I'm booking little shit and people fucking with me and I'm like making a name that's still like one of my biggest areas I love for that. book sales so I'm chilling in the Bay Area, and now I'm going back home. My booker at the time, she my manager now, but back then she just used to like book book my my uh, events and do emails, and you know. But now we kind of built the business. But she was like, "Yo, you gotta stay out there." I was like, "Yo, I'm out of money and clothes." Right. I'm coming home, and she's like, "Nah, you gotta meet in L.A." So I'm like, "Yo, do they got some money for me?" She like no. I said, well, fuck him. I said, Skype me. This right. back when this right. niggas went zooming. I'm, <laughs> don't, like, don't zoom I'm like, Skype me or some shit. So, so I get to the airport gate and she changed my ticket. You know how you scan your little ticket. Right. So my ticket, I'm in the airport. Goes, so you know how you yeah. how you board in the plane. Mm -hmm. Oh, sir, this ticket been canceled. I'm like, man, what? Right. She like, yo, I know, I know. Just go down. Just go take this meeting. She was like, yo, you you. She sent me down to another gate, mind you. I was like flying regular class and 
and it was good with it because I was broke. Right. So I was like, yo, I'm, you know, I mean, right. I would still fly that shit if I had to. If I'm trying to get where I'm trying to go. But, I mean, it ain't going to stop me from taking no flight. But, yo, I go down to a part of the airport in, like, a special room because she gave me some instructions and it's, like, oh. some special shit. And I'm like, yo, what kind of shit is this? Private jet. You know, and then it, wasn't pri- it wasn't private, but it was like a, it was like, and you know how you go into, like, an airport and then they got, like, the uh, the Amex lounge? Right. It was some shit that was, like, above that. Amex. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it was okay. some shit okay. where they giving out, like, foot rubs and shit. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Then I'm looking at my ticket and you sitting in this you sitting in CAAA one 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 whatever whatever and they bringing me champagne and calling me Mr. Watkins and shit and I'm like yo am I going to meet fucking Buffett or something right I'm like yo what's happening so I get on the plane and I get off the plane and she called me and she was like yo they're going to pick you up and I'm like who is they she was like yo I'll call you in ten minutes so I'm walking out the airport and I see this dude with this big sign uh, Mr. Mm. you know D Watkins or whatever. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I get in the car and he just start asking me about like my dietary restrictions and shit. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't eat pork and I fucking hate spaghetti. Right. Other than that, we can rock. You know what I mean? She's like, yo, you going over Will Smith house? And I'm like, for what? <laughs> Say, what the fuck I'm going over there for? So she was like, I don't know, but they called and I answered. So I'm like, bet. So I get over there and I find out that um they want to do this movie called. Um, 12 o'clock boys yep. about dirt bikes in Baltimore mm-hmm. and they just and, and it's it ain't Will it's Jada and her brother Caleb mm-hmm. and her daughter Willow so they asking me all kinds of questions and I'm not like a starstruck kind of dude right like you know the stars for me is from my neighborhood so I'm like regular you know I just right. I'm like so I'm just I'm, I'm shocked but then I'm like, all right, I ain't answering all these motherfucking questions. I'm like, yo, let's get some money. I, I need like, to pay for this because I'm not, you're not, this is consulting I'm like, now. bro. I'm, I'm consulting like, now. I'm yeah. like, bro, won't you hire me to write it? She like, nah, we already got to write it. We got to write it, but you going you gonna to work on the film. You going to work on the film. She like, matter of fact, who's your agent? So at the time, I ain't have an agent. Right. But I was like, yo, I'm going to go get an agent and I'll come back tomorrow. So I went back to my hotel room uh-huh. and I was real, real good friends with Sonya's son who played Kama on the wire. Yeah. And Sonya hooked me up with her agent and her agent was like, yeah, all right, I represent the kid. And then he jumped in and he put a deal together for me and I went back and we laid it down and then I forgot about it. I ain't had nothing else about it. So um, maybe like 2018 or some shit, um, they hit me up and was like, yo, the film got green, let me come to Baltimore, the film, you gonna work on it. And then I get the set and... I was so frustrated with television that because they didn't let me work, they didn't they didn't listen to any none of my direction, none of my suggestions, none of my ideas on if you want to show if you want this film to be um, a Baltimore film, if right. you if you if you want to tap into the culture, well, this is the culture, and the, the producer he wasn't hearing that shit. So I'm like, yo, I'm starting to pick up and book thing. I got my professor gig. I got I'm getting booked to speak places. Right. I'm rocking and rolling. I'm going out the country for gigs. I'm rolling. So I'm like, yo, I don't need this shit. Like, uh, fuck this TV shit. I'm not even thinking about it. Those cops I wrote about, they started getting indicted around the same time. Uh, so when they started getting indicted, David Simon called me up and was like, hey, you want to um, come hang out in the writer's room? And I was like, um, yo, yeah, for sure. Because they don't hurt to learn the process. And I'm thinking I'm coming to watch because he never said nothing about a job. Right. So I'm just sitting in there and it's like a lot of writers in there. It's like a lot of writers in there. How many know? look like us in the right room? Like me, yeah, just like, me. Just you only, just you, only, you only one look like yeah, you. just me. Interesting but for this project, but okay. he got other projects. Like the Deuce had a lot of women. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like his his room. So this is so David Simon's a very very interesting guy because he don't really be fucking with TV writers. 
He be fucking with like the journalists and Got like you. the people who covered it. So regardless, you can be a eight foot uh, black motherfucker or like a a a a a a, a, a one a, a, a two foot. Asian little person, right? He, he, whoever covered the story is who he fucking with. I got you. You know what I mean? Got you. And um, I saw somebody giving him some flack for that on Twitter, and I'm like, yo, y'all don't even, y'all don't even know. Like, y'all don't even know. That's y'all don't even fun. know how this shit works. Right. You don't even know how it works. So, right. um, so I get to the room, and it's a lot of people in there, and we spitting ideas and shit. And then I come back, and it's like a smaller amount. And then I come back, and it's like, um, you know, you got episode three. I'm like, I'm like, damn. I'm like, damn. And then it's just a crew. So it's just, it's just us. And everybody in there did the wire except for me. I was the only person that wasn't on a wire. But me and David ended up collaborating on a wire book. We did a wire coffee table book. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but, um, but I'm just watching him and I'm watching George Pelicanos and I'm just, I'm just learning, 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 learning. And HBO liked my script. So that's why they came back and asked me to do the podcast. Yep. And then that's why they asked the me awards, to write yep. a book. But then I also had did um I also had did um um a documentary with Sonya called um The Slow Hustle. Yes, yeah, where, I saw where that. I did the slow hustle. So mm -hmm. before all of this shit even went down, um, I write this long essay about the history of me and Herschel and me being from down the hill and him being from Hollandtown. So when I wrote that, that's when John Bernthal, John Bernthal agent got that and was like, you need to play Herschel. So John Bernthal hit me on Twitter in like a long ass DM. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, where the fuck I know yo from? Right. Because right? he got one of them, he one of them actors, like his name big as shit now, but his name, start, I mean, his name been big for a minute, for a while, but yeah. I'm talking about now his shit is like, you know, people know John Bernthal. Right, right, right. Because, right. you know, I ain't watched The Walking Dead and all that. Yeah, so I knew him from Wall Street. And I'm like, yo, that's my man from Wall Street. Mm -hmm. well, that's my man from Wall Street and shit. So John hit me up and, you know, we had a, we had a long ass conversation. And John was like, yo, I'm trying to buy this essay from you and make it into a film. What's up? I got the director signed on and everything. Let's get busy. And I'm like, John, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a loyal dude, man. Me and David Simon did a writer's room. Where we where he trying to bring it to life and I ain't trying to step on nobody's right. toes. So if you really fuck with this story, you need to be fucking with David. And he like, bet, I already know David. Mm. Um, because I he did the uh they did the shit up um in Yonkers. Which one? They did the um show me a hero joint. Okay, okay. So so two, three weeks later, man, John hit me up here in Baltimore, man. He said he down the production office doing push ups on his knuckles in front of the building. Stop. I say, yo, he's Stop. a wild boy. So me and John been locked in ever me and John been like that. So okay. me and John got the um he he bring me he bringing me on to this show that we going that we supposed to do in Shreveport, Louisiana that he been trying to develop. We going through something with the writers, but it's like everything go back to HBO. So like HBO, um I did the slow hustle. I did the podcast I did the 12 um, o'clock wars was HBO. It came out on Max. Max. It, yeah, it came out on Max. So yeah, like HBO Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like um, so like then I got the situation. Um, George Pelicanos got his own HBO deal. Mm. He did the while you with David. He bring me in to write another movie. Mm. So that movie sitting with them right now. We went for edits. Wow. Um, I feel like once you're in the HBO family, you're in the family. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're all, once you're in the family, you're in the family. Yeah, and for me, like I think for me, it'll be a full circle moment if I end up signing an overall deal with them. Mm. But I don't know because somebody else might come through with the bag, and it's like, you know, I, I love brands, but I'm more loyal to, to the bag. <laughs> that, 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 that pays the bills. 
That pays the bills I'm into the bag. So that, yeah, so it's been a whole <clears throat> HBO for so yeah, so but for me, I love working in television so much, especially when you get to produce because you get the opportunity to just create opportunity. Like we hired five thousand people who wasn't working over the pandemic, mostly from Baltimore mm. and like the surrounding counties. And we was mm. paying people who weren't getting paid. A whole lot of people who came and worked on the set. They and unions, so soon as they jumped off our show, they jumped on another show. I love that. You know, like just working with David, I saw what it takes and the type of writing you need to bring a ninety million dollar budget to a city um full of artists who get into other shit because they don't get a chance to work on their art. Mm -hmm. And then we put victims who really like had runners with these offices in the show. Mm -hmm. So we did all of that and that's the biggest part of the story that I, I wish was out there, that I wish would people talk about, but they don't really, it wasn't, you know, it got promoted as like, uh, whatever, why they telling the cop story, why they making Baltimore this yeah. and that, and it's like, dog, like this is smart television, and this is also directly impacting the people who suffered the most. Right. <laughs> I don't, don't get know. It. People don't get it though. People I don't, don't get know, it. man. I don't know, man. <clears throat> I don't know. But what would you tell me, I, we, we could, me and you could talk all day, because I love this. I love this. We're going we to have to do a part two. Cause I really, I really, we got so much to to dig in with. You got so many great things going on. Um, just you and I talking today. What would you want what people to walk away with from our conversation today? Just so you and I talking. Today. What, what would you want to? Cause I feel like we can do a part two. Cause I feel like me, you and I have talked offline. Cause I was saying I would love to do something live with you. I, we talked about it, and I'm sure we can figure it out. But what would you want people to walk away from this part of what we talked about today? Nobody gets there alone. Everybody has help. I mean, everybody needs help. Everybody needs support. If the person appears to be or seems like they're really successful or not, everybody everybody needs help and support. And, you know, um, and we have to we have to be better at that. Um, like I said, I try my best to pour it into into other artists. Um, I appreciate the artists that pour it into me, and I think. Um, I, I like to talk about I like to talk about that, and I, I like to talk about how um, we're not anything unless the community is strong. We're not, we'll never be, you know, as as great as we could be. I love that, right, and then I know also you have a podcast also that comes out. Also, you still you still do that with Saloon. Salon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, more more articles, but I, I interview I interview artists from time to time. Like um, I'm interviewing a comedian, um, um, Dose Saloon. Um, tomorrow she's like a correspondent on the Daily Show. She she do her thing. She uh she's the voice of Honey Bee on the Great North. Okay. So interviewing her tomorrow. Um, probably interview JB Smooth for um Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, final season. He probably come on the show one day next week. So it's it. like we had a little funny conversations. We try to dig deep. I try to look for um, you know, I I, I try to find them angles. You gonna bring <laughs> you gonna bring Cat on? <laughs> yo, um, yo, he, mean, might, he might be man. We we don't be doing five million, ten million, thirty million hits, man. So he might not he might not come fuck with us, man. But yo, he he's hilarious, dog. Yes, he people is. don't understand that 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 interview was like a stand up. It was it like was. a performance. It was literally like a performance. Phenomenal. They fact checking it and all that, and I'm like, dog, I don't think that was the point. That I wasn't think, the point. I think the emotional. The emotional journey that he's had on top of the fact that he's just a funny motherfucker was the point. That was the best point. And it hit. And I, and I, and I watched for two and a half hours. Now, I've never watched a podcast two and a half hours. I've never watched. You know what I mean? That's a long time. Sitting there, this is my... But 
What do you got going on? Going on? Uh, anything coming on? Like, are you gonna be out any place uh, in March, April? Because this is coming out in February. But like, yeah. when, anything coming out? Anything people uh, can check you at a bookstore, the bookstore, Ivy, or whatever? I've been working on this story for a while. Um, a long story on on Dwayne Wade. Okay. So I've been following on Dwayne Wade around like Milwaukee and Chicago, and I'm going out to Miami, LA. But um, looking forward to that. Um, look out, look out for that story because I think it's gonna be one of them. One of those special stories. Great, great. And where can people find you on social media, your website, anything like that? They can follow you, shoot you, say, hey, I want to maybe learn a little bit or shadow you or somebody, young kid wants somebody want to just know insight possible. At D. Watkins World. Follow okay. me on social media at D. Watkins World. My God, but we're not gonna leave, I'm not going to let you off easy, that easy. Got to do a quick speed round real quick. All right? Okay. All right. Crabs, uh, you want to do uh, crab kicks or crab, or regular hard shell steam crabs? Steam crabs. Steam crabs, okay. Do you put butter or vinegar in your crabs? None. As long as they got obey, I'm (laughs) I'm eating that shit how it is. All right. Snowballs, uh, snowball ice cream. Snowball and custard. Okay, all right, all right. Um, Your favorite Super Bowl halftime show performance? Man, that's a tough one. There's been so many. Probably Rihanna. Last year, okay. Yeah, okay. uh, Rihanna shit was fire. My my favorite was Prince because he was. Playing purple oh, and rain, the rain and the rain, yeah, and it rain. was just, no, that shit was special. It was special because, like, you know what I mean. Like, I was like, and I saw him the last time he, before he passed away when he came to Baltimore and performed. No, that was special. That purple rain joint was special. I it was that. different. So if I hop in your car right now, what will you not be listening to? Um, probably an instrumental fucking Matrix Three. Okay. The, uh, score. I be listening to like scores and like I, I listen to like. I, I don't listen to words as much. I okay. listen. I listen to a, a lot of instrumentals, um, a, a lot of sets, from different jazz artists, musicians, shit like that. I don't, and I don't. And, and I love. I love. I love music, but like when I'm writing a lot, I just don't want to be influenced by anything. Mm, <laughs> I, just I, don't I, get, wanna, I get you. Yeah, some I shit you hear in a song might that you're not even paying attention to might make it into an essay, and then you look like you stare. <laughs> A lot of niggas still. I just real. don't want to look. I just don't want to be one of them. Wow, that, that, no, that's real. I never thought about that, but that that doesn't make sense. That definitely makes sense. Your favorite hip hop artist, Jay Z. We we wait for the interview when you do that. We'll, we'll see. Hope hopefully that comes in fruition. What's uh, that? You and doing a Jay Z interview? Jay Z interview. I don't good. know, man. He's too smart, man. You might not get nothing out of him, man. Yeah, you might not get... Calculated. He's a guarded dude, man. Everything he's thinking, he's thinking eight questions ahead, man. Oh, no. You know, it's crazy. It's like sometimes, with, especially in dealing with like those big like celebrities, icons, whatever in general, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's sometimes I feel like it's more safe when you don't meet them. Have you ever been let down? You ever meet somebody you always yes. wanted to met and they're like a fucking that's asshole? The worst fa- that's the worst fear. Not saying that would be Jay, but I'm but, sa- but I'm I've saying- met some people that I was like, I thought they were something. And when you talk to them, you're like, oh my God, they're, they're like the worst. They're like, And I, I've gone through that with some podcast people I've interviewed. And I'm like, like you're kind of like, damn, I thought you were this way, but you're really not this way. Or you meet them, you're like, mm. Like, yo, I'm a big, yo, I'm like the biggest Stevie Wonder fan. Like, my favorite album is probably, I have the reasonable doubt, is probably The Secret Life of Plants. Like, right. I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. I don't want to kick it with Steve. I just, you don't want to leave, leave I, it there. I just want to, I, because I you it. know what's crazy when somebody's like an asshole? Yep. Yep. And not to say Stevie or Jay or anybody would be like that. I'm not projecting, but right. I'm just saying. It's kind of hard to look at the art the same. Right. 
somebody's an asshole. Okay, and I know people probably got them stories about me and shit because, like, I mean, like, I remember one time, um, I was doing an event and it just, it just so, ha- it just so happened that my manager was sitting in the audience by this girl. So I'm doing an event. We, do, I'm about to do an event and it's packed. It's like 600 people packed into the spot. I'm mm-hmm. in the green room. The girl broke past the green room and came in past the interviewer that was interviewing me nah. before the joint and asked me to sign her book. So I'm about to sign it and the bookstore is like, no. They're like, no, you got to wait. You can, you're not even supposed to be back here. Right? Mm. So the girl stomped out there. So she goes right in the audience and she sit down and tell her friend, oh, D. Watkins is such an asshole. Something, right. something, something. And the girl was like, he back there when the interviewer, they wasn't even his mother. They ain't let his mother back there. Right. So like, they ain't let my mother back there. How are you an asshole? Like, what you talking about? And then the girl like apologized and fixed it. But it's like, you know, I could be an asshole and I didn't do you anything. You didn't do anything. So, the, so, and I say I like to say, somebody could be having a bad day. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Say if like, you know, you go, you about to meet, you, you always wanted to meet Ava DuVernay. Right. And before you meet her, she was at the gym and she got crossed over and dumped on and now right. she's like sad and shit and she's like <laughs> is if she comes there to me, she might not be herself so right. that's the thing too so I, I would love to meet a Stevie Wonder or a Jay-Z but also I'm okay the work the work has mentored me the way and gave me way more than what I paid for <laughs> I love it I love it well thank you so much for hanging out with me mm. we're gonna do so I, I definitely I definitely guess we spoke hopefully yeah. do something really live and really deal with you and hopefully uh, yeah let's get it and I appreciate your time. Yeah, let's get it. Folks, love, peace, we're out. Yeah.